0: Thank you, brother. Take your Bible, please. Turn with me to Mark, chapter number six. Mark, chapter six. If you're sitting next to a deacon, help him. That's in the New Testament. Mark, chapter six. I'm glad to see you. We, you, How many deacons you have here, Pastor? You have several? Nine. Well, amen. Uh, I have one deacon here tonight. Uh, he rode up with me, Brother Dwight Collier, and I try to keep him around. It's better to Have them in sight, then have them behind you somewhere, you know what I'm saying? Hey, look, I'm teasing. I love Dwight Collier. He's my friend and has been for a long time. I've been the pastor at Rose Park Baptist Church. I'm in my 35th year, and one reason is because of of Dwight Collier and men like him. And uh, you're blessed, uh, Brother Eric. I know you have good men uh, serving here. We used to, we would say, that we had to have uh, six deacons. We could never have five deacons. If we did, we'd add one. We, could never, we never needed any more than that uh, and uh, six deacons. And the reason was uh, that uh, you need six pallbearers to carry your casket. And, uh, and I figure the guys that put you under ought to have to carry you out. You understand what I'm saying? Uh, I personally love deacons. We have, we have good deacons in our church and good deacons meetings. I hear about preachers occasionally uh, that fuss and fight with deacons. I've never understood that, never had a problem uh, with the deacons in, in any church where I've been. And our deacons are good men, uh, you know, and, and it's, it's always been that way. I did hear about a preacher, though, one time that uh, he named his dog Old Deacon. And uh, it didn't go over well. Uh, They had a deacon's meeting after they saw the the doghouse beside the parsonage and had this sign out front, Old Deacon. And so in the deacon's meeting, one of the deacons said, I want to know why you named that dog Old Deacon. And so the pastor said, well, I want you to know I named the dog Old Deacon for more than one reason. One reason I named him Old Deacon uh, is uh, because he whines a lot. He said, the next reason I named him Old Deacon is because he doesn't come to Sunday school. He said, but the real reason I named him Old Deacon is because when I go home after meetings like this, I can kick that dog. <laughs> well, come on, you know. I like deacons and I like preachers. We got a few preachers in the house. It's good to see you tonight. I always am appreciative of preachers who have come to a meeting. Uh, where I go nowadays, uh, you don't see that very much. You have a wonderful association uh, of churches here. I've been in almost every one of these churches in a revival sometime or another. Uh, facts are, uh, we're not having the revivals we used to have. Churches are not scheduling revivals like we used to. I wish we did. It was, uh, that was a great era. Uh, in church life, when we would go from one place to another. Some of you guys can remember, especially you preachers, you can remember that there was a time we would hear about Angel Martinez or we would hear about Sam Cathy, or we'd hear about Harold Latham, or it just whichever evangelist you want to pick, and we'd travel miles to go hear those fellows preach. We just I mean, we would, in fact, if it was somebody like uh, J. Harold Smith, uh, we'd travel hundreds of miles uh, to be there in that meeting and hear uh, these great preachers. And churches had great fellowship like that. I really wish we had start doing it all over again and remind our children and grandchildren of the way it used to be because it was pretty good. Back then. Uh, listen, uh, tonight is Monday night. We've more than doubled last Monday night's crowd tonight. This is, a, this is a fabulous crowd on Monday night, and I want you to be here tomorrow night. Uh, Tuesday night is one of the most difficult nights uh, in revival. Tuesday night, get people to come. If you're not here tomorrow night, we're going to figure that you're in a, in a joint somewhere drinking, and so we're going to uh, put the word out on you if you're not here. So come to church, be in your place uh, Tuesday night. Uh, Uh, And we're going to have a great time. Uh, Brother Ronald Owen is going to be here. He's here tonight. Uh, He's just not dressed up like a preacher. Uh, But tomorrow night he will be. Tomorrow night. uh, Brother Ron will be here. He's, uh, Brother Ron started out. ...at our church as a youth minister and then eventually became our music minister. And, uh, you know, it was, it was great. That's a long, long time ago. Uh, but uh, he, uh, he's, a, he's one of my favorite singers. I'd, I, my favorite singer will be here on Wednesday night. Uh, and that's only because I had to pay uh, for all of his music lessons and everything else. And so my son Rocky will be here on Wednesday night. And I want you to see him. He was born while we were here at Brister... I'll never forget that, uh, you know, I mean, come on, you forget lots of things in life, but you never forget that seven pounds, 11 ounces, about the size of a good bass. And, uh, we, we brought him home from the hospital, put him over there in that, uh, little parsonage that you used to have. And, uh, and, and sure enough, he got here and screamed and cried in the middle of the night. And he said, I want my daddy. I want my daddy. And, uh, You don't know if he said that or not because you were not there, Uh, but uh, you know, I didn't understand it then, and now 43 years later, he still does that, and I don't understand it now either, but he'll be here Wednesday night, and uh, you'll enjoy him. You'll enjoy Ronald. Ronald will be singing tomorrow night. Ronald's going to sing my favorite song, I hope, tomorrow night, if you can still find that song. Brother Ron, maybe, I'm not sure if you, you can reach those notes anymore, but But if you'll try anyway, we look forward to seeing Ronald Owen and hearing him tomorrow night. Now then tonight in your Bible, Mark chapter 6, let's stand together as we honor the reading of the word of God. I'll begin there in verse number 12. Mark chapter 6 and verse number 12. And they went out and preached that men should repent. And they cast out many devils and anointed with oil many that were sick and healed them. King Herod heard of him, for his name was spread abroad, and he said that John the Baptist was risen from the dead, and therefore mighty works to show forth themselves in him. Others said that it is uh, Elijah, and others said that it is a prophet, are uh, as one of the prophets. And when Herod heard thereof, he said, It's John, whom I beheaded. He's risen from the dead. For Herod himself had sent forth and laid hold upon John and bound him in prison for Herodias' sake, his brother Philip's wife, for he had married her. John said unto Herod, It is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. Therefore Herodias had a quarrel against him and would have killed him, but she could not. For Herod feared John, knowing that he was a just man and holy and observed him. And when he had heard him, he did many things and heard him gladly." When a convenient day was come, that Herod on his birthday made a supper to his lords, high captains and chief estates of Galilee. And when the daughter of the said Herodias came in and danced and pleased Herod and them that sat with him, the king said unto the damsel, ask me whatsoever thou wilt, I will give it thee. And he sware unto her, Whatsoever thou shalt ask of me, I will give it thee unto the half of my kingdom. She went forth and said unto her mother, What shall I ask? And she said, The head of John the Baptist. Father, I pray that you would bless us to as we read the word of God and study the word of God. Thank you for people in this room. People that are important uh, to, uh, uh, to this church and certainly people that are are special uh, to me as as an individual, friends that I've known, some I haven't seen in years, but God, I appreciate that. But Lord, at the same time, this is revival. We're praying for a work of the Holy Spirit of God. We appreciate friendship, but God, we need and pray that you would do something this week in this place that is bigger than we are and beyond who we are. God, I pray that the Spirit of God might work deep into the hearts of men. I pray for people to be saved. I know that the Bible teaches that it's your will to save every man, woman, boy, and girl on the face of this earth. I know that Jesus died for them. And I pray, God, that tonight that we'll see someone come to faith in Jesus Christ. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And you may be seated. Friend. The Bible tells us a story now uh, in this passage of scripture about a man that you and I uh, are probably familiar with, although uh, we may not have him on the top of that list of Bible characters. The Bible says that his name is Herod. Now, you know the Herods, not Herod the Great, uh, but uh, these other Herods. We read about Herod the Great, uh, who was uh, the Herod in control when Jesus was born. But then we read about this Herod, and he's very unique. The Bible says concerning him that he was uh, the governor when, uh, when John the Baptist uh, was preaching. And as a result of that, the Bible says that this Herod, uh, that uh, uh, he had uh, sent John to his death. Well, now then we're reading in a place in the Bible after the death of John the Baptist. And, and here's what we know. Jesus has, uh, is preaching and, and God is blessing, obviously, in the ministry of Jesus and the ministry of the church that he has called out. Well, as you began reading about that, uh, then you read this story. And it says, it's kind of a side note actually. You're reading the life of Jesus, the preaching of Jesus, the work of the church and all that's taking place. And then the Bible tells us that there is a man that begins to hear about that. There's a man that begins to pay attention to that. His name is Herod, and and Herod is hearing of the the success that Jesus had. Herod is hearing of the preaching that Jesus is doing. Herod is hearing of the miracles that Jesus uh, is performing. All of that is taking place, and Herod is soaking that in. And then the Bible tells us that Herod is the one who said, It's John. It's John. He's risen from the dead. May I tell you that somewhere in the middle of the night, wherever Herod was sleeping, in the middle of the night, his eyes open wide and he looks out there into the darkness and in his mind he sees the face of John the Baptist. This is Herod's nightmare. This is the sinner's nightmare. I want you to know that every sinner in this room, every person, every one of us, doesn't matter if you now are born again sinner or not, And if you are not, this is especially true. I know beyond the shadow of a doubt that in a sinner's mind, you'll come hear the word of God. Somebody will share with you the word of God or you'll come to a service like this and hear the word of God preached. And sure enough, sooner or later, somewhere in your mind, maybe it's a daydream and maybe it's a nightmare, there will be that which frightens you when you think about life and death, heaven and hell, and eternity without God. Every one of us have been there. I can remember as a young person hearing the gospel and going home and being frightened to the point that I was afraid to go to sleep at night. I can remember as a youngster, 12 or 13 or 14 years of age, after I'd made a profession of faith but I really didn't know the Lord. I can remember what it was like uh, to uh, put my head on the pillow at night and a few hours later for my eyes to uh, become wide open and be scared to death because I was afraid that if I died in my sleep I would go to hell. Friend, here's a man, a sinner, and the nightmare he had is so real and explains it to us in such a unique way. The Bible says this. We see the source of Herod's nightmare. I read those verses. It's the story of a preacher. His name is John the Baptist. Now, John the Baptist is a unique guy. John the Baptist is not like me. He's not from the city. John the Baptist is a country preacher. He's from out there in the desert. John the Baptist, uh, he, uh, his acclaim is found out there in the desert. He's preaching, repent, repent, John the Baptist. And he's baptizing people in the Jordan. John the Baptist. I can just see John the Baptist in my mind. I can see him if you were to stand out there on the Judean uh, desert and look out there into the basin and look and see that uh, and see those thermals as they're they're rising there across the across that way and somehow you see him walking out of the desert you see this guy uh, he he wasn't a sissy looking guy in a three piece suit and a tie this i mean this is a man's man he's uh, he's coming out of the desert and here he is he's dressed like a man of the desert he looks like a man of the desert his skin is burned dark his hair Is is white, I believe that. I believe that gray and white, that's that's the way it's supposed to be. (laughs) Yesterday, there were people in this church, our brother Eric, that talked to me about my hair. Said, your hair used to be black. And then I looked over and saw you. And I thought to myself, now I understand. It was Brister that did this (laughs) to me, and they've done it to Eric as well. John the Baptist. I don't know what he looked like exactly, and you don't either. But I just imagine. He's like, that, uh, he's like that Old Testament prophet. He's that man that walks out of the Old Testament into the New Testament. He closes out the Old Testament. He introduces the New Testament. He's the one that opens the door and says, this is Jesus. He's the one, friend, that as far as time is concerned, there has been 400 silent years and no word from God. And all of a sudden, John the Baptist walks up and John the Baptist says, I have someone to tell you about. Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. That's John the Baptist. If you were anything but Baptist, you would shout about that. Friend, the Bible tells us that John the Baptist is now standing out there in the desert. And John the Baptist is calling people to repent. That's unlike the 21st century preacher. He says, why don't y'all act better? Why don't you change a little? Not John. John said, do an about-face. Repent. Repent 180 degrees the other direction. Turn around. Do it now, or else you'll perish. Jesus said that as well. Friend, the Bible tells us that we see the source of Herod's nightmare. It's the story of a preacher. John the Baptist showed up on the scene, and John the Baptist preached it just like it should be, to the point that John the Baptist is preaching against sin. And according to Herod, he probably went to meddling, and he said to Herod, You're not supposed to be living with your brother's wife, it's a sin. Somehow, if you read the story, it seems to me that Herod, he he smarted, but not like the old woman. She was embarrassed. The old woman couldn't believe it. She couldn't believe that someone had that gall. Someone would stand there and point his finger at them and talk about sin and do it in such a a plain way. She couldn't believe it. His name, John the Baptist. The Bible talks about the story. It's the story of a preacher. It's the story of a sermon. We read it here. You could read it in Luke chapter 3 as well. How John the Baptist sermon seared. How John the Baptist sermon uh, uh, convicted. How John the Baptist sermon, as he preached it, how it made Herod uneasy and it made, it made the woman uneasy and it made everyone who was in the room uneasy. That's the way, that's the way preaching is. It'll make you uneasy. If you're not saved and the preacher tells you that Jesus died for you. He tells you there's a place called heaven that you could go if you're saved. He tells you there's a place called hell that you will go if you're lost. He tells you that we must all appear before the judgment. He tells you that one day uh, that to every man, woman, boy, and girl will give an account of the things that they've done on this earth. Doesn't matter if it's judgment for the lost or judgment for the saved or judgment in general. When friend, when people realize there's heaven and hell, there's life and death, all of those things. I want you to know that that type of sermon stirs people, and it stirred Herod. I can just see him. And so Herod now, he's in a spot. He sort of likes John a little bit, like Agrippa liked Paul. He's listening to him. He's paying attention. Here's Herod. The wife says, you're going to have to do something about that preacher. So he put him in jail. And then, it's not only the story of a preacher and the story of a sermon, but the source of Herod's nightmare is the story of a decision. It was his birthday. Everybody likes birthdays. Birthdays. Big parties, lots of fun. Herod's no different. Big party, lots of fun. Things are going well. And sure enough, the Bible tells us that out there beyond the party, in the shadows, outside the door maybe, there's that old woman. She's still upset. So she takes her daughter, Herod's niece. She takes her daughter, maybe she's 16 or 17 or 18 years of age. She takes her daughter and dresses her in some flimsy negligee. And she says, I want you to go into that room on that marble floor in front of all of those people. And I want you to dance. I want you to dance in the front of the eyes of that man, Herod, your uncle. I want you to dance. I want you to dance. I want you to do the best you've ever done. I can just hear her. She coached her. She trained her. She sent her in. The door opens. She slips in. And sure enough, Herod is standing there. He's probably a little bit drunk. He looks over there and he sees her. He begins to watch her. And the old woman out in the shadows, she knew. She understood how to to reach him. She understood how to stir him. And sure enough, here is Herod watching that young girl as she begins to dance in a seductive way in front of him and all the other men in the house. And friend, the Bible tells us that all of a sudden Herod blurts it out I'll give you anything you want. And she said, I want the head of John the Baptist on a plate. I want the head of John the Baptist on a plate. And Herod, because of his pride, sent a guard out. And in a little while, here he comes through the side door. On that plate is the head of John the Baptist. From that plate over the edge, the blood of John the Baptist is running on the hand and the arm and dripping from the elbow all the way across that marble floor. And there it is, the hideous sight of John the Baptist, eyes wide open, glaring at Herod. That little girl takes the head of John the Baptist, walks out of that room grinning from ear to ear, and she takes the head of John the Baptist and gives it to her mother, and you can hear her mother's hideous scream as she cackles and laughs because she's finally shut John the Baptist up. It's John. It's John, that's what Herod said. It's John, he's risen from the dead. When he heard about Jesus, it's John. They say it's one of the prophets like Elijah. No, it's not. It's John, it's John. He's he's risen from the dead. I know it's John. He's absolutely scared to death. Number two, I want you to see the similarity of Herod's nightmare. If you go to the Old Testament, there's a story. And it fits this story almost perfectly. The characters involved: a man by the name of Ahab. He's played by Herod in the New Testament. Ahab of the Old Testament, the king, Herod of the New Testament. The, the woman in the Old Testament, her name is Jezebel. If you do not believe that Jezebel is, is uh, notorious, just this week, tomorrow, Go downtown Magnolia, if that's where you live, and go and shop. And when you walk, find a total stranger. Walk up to a woman, look her dead in the eye, and say, You're a Jezebel. (laughs) I promise you, you'll be in trouble. Jezebel, she's that woman. She's that wicked uh, Zidonian princess of the Old Testament. She's that one who is married to Ahab, the king of Israel. She's that one who has led Ahab and Israel into idolatry. She's that one. The Bible said she painted her face. Preacher, what do you think about women wearing makeup? I think they should. (laughs) I've seen some of them without it. Hello? Hello? Here is Jezebel, that wicked woman, Ahab, her husband. But then there's a preacher. His name is Elijah. Elijah. The New Testament says Jesus said that John is like Elijah. Elijah's that man of the desert, like John. Elijah's that preacher who was not in the seminary uptown. He wasn't part of the ministerial alliance. Uh, Elijah's that guy that steps out of nowhere and says, God told me to tell you something. That's Elijah. That's John. Look at the similarity, the characters, and then the conversations. Ahab stole Naboth's vineyard. Naboth. Reminds me of when I was at Brister years and years ago, about where this building was, uh, was Brother Vernon's uh, garden. And back in the back corner, I'm from the city, I don't garden. I looked over at his garden, his garden looked a whole lot like mine did in the prime of the year. Brother Kyle gave me that little spot. He said, you can do whatever you want back here, and so I did, and it was horrible. The weeds were everywhere. Finally, Brother Kyle came to me, and he said, I'll tell you what. I'll just give you anything you want out of the garden, and he plowed that under. (laughs) Naboth had a garden. It was right close uh, to where Ahab could just step out and go to that garden. He said, I want that garden. And uh, and the Bible says that Naboth said, no, this has been in my family a long time. I can't do that. And so sure enough, what happened? Ahab went in and pouted like some of you men. He went in and stuck his lip out, turned his face towards the wall. Mama had to take over. And so Jezebel, she has Naboth killed. You know the story. It's a horrible story. And sure enough, Ahab now is in the garden. He's looking around at his garden that that is... uh, Running red with the blood of Naboth. And all of a sudden he hears behind him the voice of the man of God. His name is Elijah. And the Bible tells us that Elijah delivers him a message of, of judgment. He tells him that he's going to die. That, the, that the, uh, his blood will be licked up by the dogs. And his wife is going to be eaten by the dogs and all of that. And can you imagine, can you imagine what it felt like? Well, that's, that's similar to this New Testament story. You see, because Ahab, don't you know he had nightmares as well? Don't you know that every time a dog barked, Ahab jumped? Don't you know that, that after Ahab died and the dogs licked his blood, don't you know that the old painted-faced woman, that every time she saw a, a dog or heard a growling dog, don't you know she was scared to death? Sure. But here's this man in the New Testament now, hundreds of years later, and the Bible tells us that, uh, that uh, he had told John the Baptist, uh, he had sent John the Baptist to his death, he had taken John the Baptist's life, he had heard John the Baptist, re- he had rejected the gospel, he had gone about his way living like he wanted to live, high, wide, and handsome, and he didn't need anybody. And now then, he's powerful. He's in charge. And he's scared to death. It's John. It's John. He's risen from the dead. I know it's John. It has to be John. It doesn't matter what anybody says. His nightmare is that it's John. So we see uh, the source of Herod's nightmare and the similarity of Herod's nightmare. But then last of all, I want you to see the seriousness of Herod's nightmare. The Bible speaks of the success of Jesus Verse 14, King Herod heard of him, for his name was spread abroad. And he said, that's John the Baptist, risen from the dead. Therefore mighty works to show forth themselves in, in him. For the Bible tells us that the success of Jesus now has brought about the nightmare of Herod. It is the success. Jesus is preaching. Jesus is ministering. Jesus is performing miracles. And the Bible tells us that Herod is Hearing he heard about it it just sort of just tugged on his mind heard again and he heard more and he heard about people who were being converted he heard about people uh, who were who were changing totally and he realized he understood And the only conclusion he could come to is that powerful preacher that I sent and had him killed. It's that powerful preacher. It's that powerful preacher, John. He's risen from the dead, the success of Jesus. But then, the sarcasm of Jesus. Brother Maddox, I don't believe Jesus ever used sarcasm. Do you? Well, in your Bible, Luke chapter 13, the Bible says this. Luke chapter 13, verse number 31 The same day there came certain of the Pharisees, saying unto him, Get thee out and depart hence, for Herod will kill you. He said unto them, Go ye and tell that fox, Behold, I cast out devils and do cures today and tomorrow, and the third day I shall be perfected. Herod's going to kill you. Jesus said, go tell that fox what I'm doing and what I'm planning. Brother Maddox, why in the world did Jesus call him a fox? Why did Jesus refer to him in that way? A fox, that weak, cunning predator. Why did he do that? There are preachers in this room who know this already. And you and I, I mean, it's just just sarcasm. The Lion of Judah said to that fox, Listen, I'll do whatever I want to do. The Lion of Judah said, Hey, listen, I don't care who you think you are. I'm the God of heaven. I will do whatever I please. And he sent him word. The sarcasm of Jesus. Now, wait a minute. We have Herod. And Herod is saying, It's it's John. It's John. He's risen from the dead. And he hears it's the success of Jesus. And then the sarcasm of Jesus when Jesus says, go tell that fox what I said. By the way, he told it to the Pharisees. I guarantee you they did it. The Pharisees are like that. They don't mind causing trouble. And so sure enough. But then last of all, it's, it's the worst. Luke chapter 23. You and I know what Luke chapter 23 is. The Bible tells us that Jesus is standing before Pilate. And before Pilate, uh, he is going to be sent to the cross. But just prior to that, uh, Pilate finds out that Herod's in town and that Jesus is from Galilee. And so Pilate says, "Let's let's send him to Herod. Let's send send Jesus to Herod. Pilate was saying, "I, I would really like to deal with this in such a way that I don't get any repercussion, and so not from the people or from Rome. I want to make sure, so send him to Herod. Let Herod take care of him. You can see that. I can see that. Pilate is saying, Herod has jurisdiction over this matter. And so the Bible says, now listen carefully. Some of you preachers are going to lose me, but it's all right. Luke 23, 8. And when Herod saw Jesus, he was exceeding glad. For he was desirous to see him of a long season. Because he had heard many things of him, and he hoped to have seen some miracle done by him. Can't you see it? Here's Herod. The nightmares have been going on. It's John. It's John. He's risen from the dead. The fear. The messages that John preached burning in his heart. So now he gets to see Jesus for the first time, face to face. For the first time, he's looking right at the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Bible said that he was exceeding glad. He is emotional. He is, he just lets him know. Well, oh, I've been waiting to hear. I've been waiting to meet you. I want, I, I want to see this. I want to see that. I, I, I've got to talk to you. I, I, I just, the Bible says he spoke with him in many words. Verse 9. Then he questioned with him in many words five words but he answered or answered him nothing but he answered him nothing for the bible tells us that Herod's nightmare came to reality Herod's nightmare Herod, uh, he was thinking, "I'm judging Jesus," and actually, Jesus was judging him. Here is Herod now, and he's he's just he's just uh, well, he's just saying over and over, I, "I remember this, I remember that." Maybe he said this. Maybe he said, "John used to talk to me. John used to preach to me. John used to say uh, something about heaven. John used to say something about hell. John talked to me all the time. Jesus, will you talk to me?" And he answered him not a word. The Old Testament says my spirit shall not always strive with man. The Bible teaches us that in the case of Herod, that Herod had sinned away his day of grace. The Bible teaches us that Herod had uh, gone over that deadline Dr. Smith used to preach about. Herod is that man in the Bible that you read it and you can see it as plain as day. Jesus wouldn't talk to him. Oh, wait a minute, preacher. You know your Bible. Back there in Isaiah 53, it said, As the lamb before the shearer is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. He talked to Pilate. He talked to Pilate. But he would not talk to Herod. He would not talk to Herod. Herod was giddy. He was excited. I've heard about you. I remember what John said. Talk to me. Perform a miracle. And he answered him, nothing. Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to know that the Bible says that the sinner's nightmare is a tragic thing. Here is a man that rejected the gospel and then for the rest of his life, he feared. He rejected his gospel, and then for the rest of his life, he lived in anguish. He rejected the gospel and said no to Jesus. John had preached. He said, No, I'm not interested. No, I'm not interested. And now he's walking through life and he's going to hell. He's in hell tonight. He's in hell tonight. Why didn't I listen to John? Why didn't I listen to John? John said, repent. Why didn't I repent? Why didn't I listen to John? Why didn't I listen to John? There are people in this room that you've heard the gospel time and time again. Maybe your sweet mother told you about Jesus over and over and over again. And you said, no, no, no. And now all these years later, every other preacher, every other witness that you've known who have told you about the Lord have reminded you that you've heard the gospel time and time and time again. It's a nightmare. There could come a moment that God will never call again. It could come in death. When you die, there's not another chance. That's it. Well, Brother Maddox, I'm a young person. I'm not planning to die anytime soon. Somebody your age died today. That's a fact. You're going to die. It's appointed unto man once to die. After that, the judgment. Every one of us are going to die. Maybe today. Maybe before the night's over. By the morning dawn, dead. All opportunity's gone. But wait a minute. Maybe it'll not be death. Maybe instead, inside these closed doors, You've heard the gospel for the last time. God will never talk to you again. You've heard that Jesus loves you. You've heard that Jesus died for you. You've heard that you could be saved today. And there's no guarantee that God's Spirit has to accompany that message again. No guarantee. I preached a revival at the First Baptist Church in Magnolia, Arkansas, years ago. The pastor was Jimmy Henry. Brother Henry and I went to visit a man. I don't know his name, could not tell you exactly where he lived, but we went to see him. And his wife was there. Brother Henry, while we were going, he said, Rocky, I want you to visit this man. We visit him all the time, and I want you to visit him. He didn't tell me what was going to happen, he knew pretty much. But I didn't know, so we went to the house. Here was a man in his 70s, probably, maybe 60s. When you're a kid, you know, that's old. And So sure enough, I sat there and listened. And here's what the man said. When I was young, God dealt with my heart. When I was a teenager, God dealt with my heart. When I was in my early 20s, God dealt with my heart. But from the time that I was, and I think he said 21 or 23, right in there, he gave me an age. He said, from the time I was that age, God has never dealt with my heart again. I pleaded with him. I begged. I was a kid. I was was doing my best. Brother Henry was right there. And we, we prayed before we left, and we prayed about him. From the time I was 20-something years old, God never has dealt with my heart again. Now, here's my question. Do you want to walk out these doors not knowing if tonight, this Monday night, is the last time that God will ever convict your heart again? Let's bow our heads together. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. It's a sinner's nightmare. Father, I pray for every person in this room. But I pray especially for that person who is here who's unsaved. And God, they've turned their back on the cross and trodden underfoot the blood of Christ. Time and time again. God, I pray that tonight the seriousness of that matter. God, I pray that tonight the reality of doing that will be so plain, so easy to understand that a logical person could do nothing but run to the cross. Help them to do it tonight. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. As we stand together, the preachers are here, and we're singing. Number 121. You come, friend. Hurry.